Welcome to TA1, everything you wanted to know about adventure racing and then some. I'm your host, the legendary Randy Erickson. Got the uh, Jimmy Lee bird with me. And uh, what do you think of our new intro? Um, first person who tells me what it's from, I'll find something to give you that's worth nothing, but really cool. So, a um, little busy here at home. Let's see. Last weekend? Yeah, last, no, two weekends ago. I don't know. Was the uh, Black Hills 100 trail race. Uh, shot a lot of that. It's like all day, all night, all the next day. Um, coming up this week, got the Tatanka 100 mountain bike race little change from uh, other years where it started at Mount Rushmore so now it's all in and out of Sturgis so that'll be a new uh, finding some new areas experience for me so looking forward to that and then on Sunday is the uh, pure Pactola swim two and a half mile open water swim and those of you that are lucky enough to be my Facebook friends can see that I'm actually have been in the water um, working on some new gear so uh, we actually actually know what's happening so um, word on the street from Paulette that all the swimmers are very excited about it apparently swimmers never get their pictures taken which kind of makes sense they can't see any of them so got that and let's see getting really close to untamed New England like three weeks and I'll get home and found out today that I'm going to go to the uh, Gravel Worlds in Nebraska, middle of August. Be taking uh, the big picture with me for that. So that should be kind of fun. And then we're getting close to Shenandoah. Tough time. So uh, we're in the heart of the summer and uh, it's fun. So um, that's it. Let's get on with our uh, yearly uh, state of the. Uh, State of the Sport, Avon calling, uh, State of the Sport uh, report with Warren. So thanks for listening. Go fast, take chances, and uh, hope I don't drown. Thanks for listening. Bye. Hey, Randy. Warren, it's we finally made it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, quite. Yeah. And then to throw everything on top of everything else, Skype is all updated and new and different looking. And Oh, I know. Yes, quite. I mean, I've gotten over getting mad about things changing. <laughs> you can't do anything about it. So. Well, yeah, no, I'm sure it's all in the name of progress. But, um, yes, yeah. it's just this the way it comes out of the blue you think you're just going to start with a normal day's work and then somebody tells you that you need to re-log in and then everything looks different and it's yeah. like oh, and then you got to find your password and your law yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah oh well it gives you some insight into who owns these things because I guess you always sort of wonder these are all these little tiny companies that are doing these clever things and then you suddenly realize no nah, it's owned by Microsoft yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's the big guys. They own it all. They hoovered it all up. They yeah. just need data. So there you go. It is. I will say, you know, um, Facebook updated. I think maybe just the mobile, but now I like it because in your notifications, it it um, 
if somebody comments, you see the comment without going to the post. I do like that. Right. Yeah. 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 I try and avoid it all as much as possible, but it's, you know, running an event and doing other bits and bobs, it's non impossible, but I endeavor to try and stay off it as much as possible. <laughs> but yeah, I'm not sure my children will have as much joy as me, but um, yeah, we'll see how we go. Yeah, I, uh, you know what, I don't even pretend to say that I don't use it because that's kind of how I keep in contact with everybody. So. Yeah, I know. I mean, as I say, it's, it's, it's fascinating actually that we were sort of. You know, even during live coverage of the Fjordland event, it was amazing how much messaging we were getting. I mean, literally hundreds of messages coming through Facebook Messenger. And we're like, we don't use Facebook Messenger. No one likes using it here, but it's just the way that people want to communicate with you because they almost expect an instantaneous result. And it's yeah. like, we've never advertised that we're going to ever communicate with anybody on Facebook Messenger. But that's kind of what they're doing. You know, oh, can you tell me where my team is? And it's like, well, they're lost in the middle of nowhere. And it's like, <laughs> You know, it's just like, it's just and in the expectation and disappointment of people to go, well, we actually don't have that answer. Um, yeah. It's, yeah. So, like, yeah, we like old school. Maybe yeah. we can start sending telegrams to people and saying, we'll let you know in a week or two. Well, could just put a letter in the post. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Send a stamped address envelope to us and we'll reply. <laughs> They'll say, what's an envelope and what's a stamp? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. For lying our age, I think. Yeah. Um, how you been? Yeah, I've been good. Um, obviously, post-traumatic event disorder. Um, and um, it was a big event, but everything mm -hmm. went really well. Um, and then, yeah, get straight back into it, really. And then try and spend my time either doing a bit of ski touring or a bit of exercise, but mostly in... You know, second time, second busiest time of the year is always build up to the start of the next one. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. But generally all good. Team seems pretty good here. Yeah. Did you do you get much of a break between the end of one race and and um, the real planning of the next one? No, not really. As I say, that's probably you know sort of alluded to that this, yeah. the second busiest time of the year is actually the build up to yeah. the, the announcement of the first, you know, like the next venue because, you know, you've got a relatively tight time frame to get host locations and venues and agreements with the new sponsors and everything lined up before you go out and then a whole new website to build with a whole new content, new schedules, you know, everything has to sort of happen and then you go, right, well, the event's finished in mid-March and we've got to launch everything in June. So you've really got a four-week window to get everything lined up you know, some vague idea of what's going to happen with mandatory gear lists and, oh, we're introducing a new category prime. How does that fit into everything? You know, all this stuff has to be done. And then it's really, once we launch entries on the 1st of July, then our brains can sort of just go a little bit calmer and then we sort of start working through specifics of the course and logistics, really. But, you know, it's a pretty frantic two or three months and then um, things do calm down a little bit. Yeah, I, I actually, I guess I didn't think about that. Yeah, because you make your announcements, yeah, in, in a few months well, and then have to be all ready. That's, yeah, that's a lot of work. Yeah, I mean, even if you've got the venue sorted out well in advance, and that's the great thing about where we are with the event at the moment, is that we've got two or three venues always stepping up going, or we'll host, and that makes it good because you mm -hmm. can make those decisions a little bit further out rather than going, oh, my gosh, it's March. Who's going to be the next venue in eight weeks' time? 
But you still have to go there. You've got to visit the locations and you've got to say, okay, where are we hosting everything? Um, who's doing what? What does it say? What's the gear look like? Where's the course going to go? What are the requirements of the teams? What are the dates? You know, there's a whole myriad of things. And obviously in New Zealand, it's, you know, a tourist sort of thing here is pretty big these days. And, you know, working into dates with regional tourist operators and these sort of things all need to be sort of thought through. Um, but yeah, that's kind of the thing that sort of gets me a little bit excited after the sort of uh, the toil of a whole year delivering event is that I've always likened the event to the iPhone thing. And, um, you know, chapter seven was our iPhone seven. And, you know, we go to chapter eight in Canterbury. That's my iPhone eight. And if I want to get you, Randy, to sell your iPhone seven to buy an iPhone eight, I've got to give you some new features and something else exciting to come and, you know, make that change. So that's, that's what we've got to work on. You know, it's, it's, it's an adventure race, still marketing and, um, you know, about delivering a great product to people. Yeah. Well, you have so far, as far as I can tell, <laughs> every year. Do you do you really feel um, like a pressure to uh, up yourself every year? Um, not so much the pressure. Um you know, it's interesting. I had a conversation. I was just talking with Margot and Ian this morning. Obviously, Ian works a little bit on our sort of technical side, and Margot sort of works on the media side. You obviously know them well. And, mm-hmm. you know, the conversation around this morning really was around live coverage. And, and just I just said, right, you know, what can we do totally different? You know, I said, let's just forget all the conventions that happen with live coverage. Everybody in the world has looked a little bit at what we do. We've looked a little bit at what everybody else does. And we've all kind of broadly kind of consolidated in the same place and got well, this is the way it's done. And yeah. and then it becomes a game, you know, a, a game of marginal improvements. Um, and I just was like, well, why do we have to keep doing it that way? The, the social media platforms are not doing it that way. Um, you know, someone's always looking for an innovative way, as you were just talking about. Facebook comes up with a totally different way of showing something. And we are just as a group have got to think, well, if, you know, if we're getting that many people and there are literally are hundreds of thousands of people watching the event unfold... Mm-hmm. How can we display it in a way in a way that it actually meets the needs of the consumer better, um, rather than us just going all oh, the traditional way is just put a news post up in a chronological order, and then add some Facebook stuff? You know, can can we improve the experience of people? Um, and let's not be conventional. And it doesn't mean we're going to do anything too radical, but at least we've got to look at it. Um, and that, I guess that makes things interesting. Yeah, it seems like. So, did you guys? Um have you come up with anything yet? <laughs> and well, I, know you, I know you're not going to want to say what it is, but do you have like a kind of an idea what you might, how you might uh, change the world? Um, well, I don't think we're going to change the world. I mean, <laughs> I mean, the challenge may be coming in height in this space, and they might have a lot more resources and money than everybody else to do that. Um, but I guess you know, just look at some like some of the ways that people are doing. I mean, it's a very traditional format in adventure racing, so that you know you're sitting there watching a race unfold and you have this tracking map and then you just get overloaded with news items and snippets of news and it's all done on a chronological basis but if you look at the big social media engines like youtube they'd never do it like that if you imagine how bad youtube would be if every single video that came through was done on the basis of the last one that someone had dumped up there they don't they do it on the basis of what you've been previously looking at so it wouldn't be a daft idea for adventure racing live coverage sites for example to say well if I know that you're coming in to watch live coverage and all you're interested in is killer images of people up on high mountains or every time you search, you're looking for Richie McCaw, 
or every time you're searching, you're looking for video snippets, it would make a lot more sense to me to get rid of all the crap and just give you the stuff that you need up front. And, and that's actually tailoring it to your consumption habits. It's not going, oh, Team 73 came through at this team, you know, this time, and Team 97, you, your consumer might go, I don't care about those teams. I don't care at all. I need to see the stuff that I'm interested in. By the time you finish a day and it's got 300 posts on Facebook, I'm not filtering through that rubbish. Just yeah. give me the stuff. Give, give me the stuff that I need, and I'm interested in the leaders, or I'm interested in Seagate, or I'm interested in Richie McCaw. It doesn't matter. Or I'm interested in all the Australian teams. There should be a way for us to actually look at the numbers of people that are coming in, look at their consumption patterns of the data, and say, if you're watching on a desktop and your consumption is thus, I'm going to feed you that information, and that will then mean that you'll stay longer on the site we will give you content that you actually want to look at and then you'll start to share that content with other people and that's what works in social media but no one in adventure racing is doing that so but unfortunately i don't have five artificial intelligence bots sitting next to me working this out <laughs> but it is something that yeah. we're looking at, you know and we don't have youtubes and you know these kind of you know the resources that they have but this is what we need to be looking at i think yeah well it's so I think the simple way it's like the Netflix Netflix model. You like oh, you like this movie, or you like this team. Maybe you'll like this team, or you yeah. like this post. So, yeah, I, yeah. I mean, it it's not what I like to see, but I'm not the average casual viewer, so I I totally understand that. I mean, it's yeah, get them interested in what they want instead of searching around all day. Well, I mean, I guess that maybe the option is that to say, just look at the consumption patterns changing so quickly from yeah. our first chapter where, you know, everybody was on a desktop and they were taking, you know, taking their media in a certain way and fast forward seven or eight years and nearly everybody's on mobile and they've yeah. taken it to in a totally different way and everybody's moving their content management to social media and then just embedding it within a, a website. And websites are almost becoming obsolete in some ways. Yeah. So it's just we've got to change with the times and accept the fact that people consume the event in a different way and maybe you know people consuming on mobile take their content this way and then if you're one of those hardcore adventure kind of dot watchers who sits at home with a ginormous PC taking in every microscopic piece of detail of where people are going, then maybe you need a different kind of content system supplying you with what you need. Um, you know, and there's a lot of companies doing that. You have a mobile light version and a, and a PC heavy version. So, yeah, all things that we're looking at. So, did you uh, ever expect you were going to become an IT semi-expert when you started this this little thing called GodZone? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's... Um, it's very different from what I was doing before, but I, I have to say that's possibly the very best thing about running this event and other bits and bobs is the fact that the work that I do is so wonderfully diverse, you know, from yeah. marketing. You start a company from scratch and you go, oh, it's just putting an event on. And, you know, really it's about running people through the wilderness and then you quickly realize that that's just a very small part of it. Everything from social media, marketing, IT, legal stuff, company, you know, pay out, you know, paying employees, all this sort of stuff. There's just so much stuff involved with this. Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, learned a lot for yeah. sure. So how is your time spent between the fun adventure race stuff and the not so much fun backroom business stuff? Um, 
um, well, obviously at this time of year, there's lots of snow around. Yeah. Uh, Canterbury, the district, would be bathed in snow in large parts of it. So there's only so much you can do on the ground during the winter. Mm. Um, but at the same time, you know, when I do get those moments where I'm like, oh, I'm a bit sick of doing media stuff or whatever it is we're working on, you know, there is a, a, a group behind the scenes, Nathan, myself, Ian and Adam, and we do share a, a group email, you know, and we just talk about stuff and go, right, on oh, no, that course, that idea. What about that? What about if you actually went back to front? Does that make more sense? You know, what about that area? And it's just a nonstop dialogue. And sometimes that's just that stuff that's happening because we've got the spare time to actually talk about it. Um, and it's not really till the spring until you might go down and check out one or two of those critical components of the course and go, okay, now's the time to get on the ground because and a lot of these places, the high mountains in the Southern Alps here, is that we'd be wading through snow you know, rather than running along. <laughs> yeah. So, because um, I'm an American, so I'm an idiot, where is Canterbury? Oh, well, I guess it's about a third to a half of the way down the South Island on the East Coast. Um, it's the largest district um, in the South Island, and it's the sort of finish point at the coast to coast. I guess it that's a race that anybody who's sort of been involved in multi-sport over the years will know that that's a, obviously a very iconic race here in New Zealand that mm-hmm. goes from the west coast to the east coast. And once you pop over sort of near the Arthur's Pass area, probably about two-thirds of the race course comes down through Canterbury. Um, and it's, it's a vast district. Actually, from the very top of the district, it was where we went for Chapter 3, Kaikoura, where we had all those amazing images of the dolphins, and we, we were up around the area of Tapianuku, which is the, the largest mountain outside of the Southern Alps here, um, at around about 10,000 feet. And then it goes miles and miles and miles south, um, all the way down. And yeah, it's a vast area, really, and all the highest mountains in New Zealand are in Canterbury. Uh, I think there's... Um, 18 or 19 peaks over 3,000 meters here um, 12 sort of thousand feet 11,000 feet type stuff and they're all in Canterbury we've got massive rivers and a lot of scope and as I sort of have already alluded to to those who've asked to say we've done seven chapters four of them have gone round in loops starting from the same start location as the finish location but this one we're going for a mystery start and it'll be a long linear journey and yeah given the district is so big you know it's it's you know we could go anywhere. Yep. Are you there? Yep. Oh, I, I was afraid you cut out. Um, it was that the the reasoning behind going there is is the fact that you got room to go linear and and the high peaks. Um. Well, I think two or three reasons really. I think first things first was that every year we're trying to go to somewhere different mm-hmm. so we've sort of we flick around the south island you know trying to go i mean we try not to go fjordland 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 or queenstown 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 it's yeah. say it's that iphone kind of idea that we've got to give you something different to turn up to and not everybody's enthralled by the idea of fighting through fjordland bush for a number of days canterbury terrain is very different yeah. so that allows us to tap into a different you know, group of people, but also I think the key thing really is is that over um, probably over the years, Canterbury and particularly Christchurch has provided the largest number of multi-sporters um, into sort of multi-sport and adventure racing in the country. Um, it's a, you know, say so it's got the biggest city in the South Island, 
and the coast to coast is there. It's been a hotbed of, you know, producing these amazing athletes in New Zealand for a long time. You know, and the earthquakes and you know a while ago, you know, had some impact on that. But the city's really bouncing back, and everybody's getting back out into multi-sport and adventure racing. I know, like the companies that are running some of the row gains around at the moment are seeing really bumper fields now. You know, it's really started to accelerate in the last year or two. And I think you know we're on a bit of a roll here. So. You know, it's just trying to go, well, let's go to the area where, you know, the numbers sort of dwindle, but now it's really on its way back. Let's get in there and get some of those people to say, look, this is a great chance for you to come and race, you know, in your own backyard and um, get involved in adventure racing again. Yeah. Well, yeah, it sounds like a hotbed. Um, so do you guys have an office pool about how long it'll take for the race to uh, fill? <laughs> Well, yeah, the last few years it's been a bit of a bun fight. Um, and, um, yeah, well, I've kind of already talked about the fact that we're not going to let so many teams in this year. Um, I think mainly for my sanity levels, but, um, also the, um, I kind of, we, it was always seemed okay to me. I mean, I'm, I'm a big believer that adventure racing is really about a wilderness experience, a learning experience. And, you know, the top teams are racing five and ten minutes apart in Fjordland where they still didn't know where the heck each other were because you just can't see anybody in the bush it's a very different kettle of fish when you're racing in Canterbury and you've got really high mountains but a lot of the terrain is very open and I can envisage a scenario where if you had a hundred teams you'd just see streams of people running along ridge lines and that to me isn't adventure racing that's just playing follow my leader and seeing who can keep up with Chris Vaughan because you know he's going to be going in the right direction so um <laughs> Yeah, I think we need to cut it down. I think it keeps the event personal. And, you know, we've always tried and do our best to sort of maintain relationships with everybody who comes to the race, every volunteer, all the medics and the teams. And frankly, I was getting to the point where I was going, oh, I've got no idea who these people are. Are they racing? Are they volunteers? There's just too many people here. Um, so I think we just need we need to keep that in mind. And, um, yeah, I suspect there will be a lot of people wanting to race, but... <laughs> That's, that's good you know that's you know we want people to come and race and have a great time but you know we there is only finite amount of resources that we've got we don't have boats for everybody so um yeah yeah that's what we are so well i mean i yeah i understand that yeah because i always hated the years and years and years ago when i was racing it's like i really it was more fun when you're out there by yourself you know like you know, Leadville now, the mountain bike race, you know, with a 1,000 people, it's it's just like a pace line for 100 miles. And who wants to do that? Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, as I said, the, the, myself, I've raced around a fair bit, and the greatest moments that I've had in the races have been those just utterly unique experiences where you're just with your three other teammates and you pop out somewhere and you look around and go, oh, my God, we're in the middle of nowhere. There's... We haven't seen anybody for a day, but no idea how things are going. We could be second or we could be 20th. I've got no idea. Yeah. And, um, you know, that's, that's, and that camaraderie that comes with being in a, a small group of people when you're in the bush. That's, that to me is what it's all about. Um, you know, I mean, particularly expedition racing, you know, that's the essence of the stuff. Once you start getting in long sprint lines with people, then to me, that ceases to be an expedition race. That just becomes a glorified triathlon, to be honest. And, um, that's not where I'm really at, to be honest. Yeah. No, I I, I hear you. I accept your philosophy. Yeah. Well, I, mean, I think that seems to be a bit of a recurring theme with um, 
we did get a lot of people contact us, some of the top teams who've been sort of hovering around the World Series type stuff, just saying, you know, can you give us a free entry to get in and come and race because we're sick and tired of doing stuff which is short, small, fast, lots of people in the same spot. You know, we want to generally go into the bush and get lost and try and do something special with our with our pals or our race partners, and that's, I guess, what we're trying to do, um, trying to do something different. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, that's a good segue into our favorite um, our favorite topic for chatting. It's what's the future going to bring? <laughs> um, I thought we solved this last time, but apparently we didn't. Well, yeah, quite. Well, I think what they say that the definition of madness is doing the same thing over and over and over again, and then expecting a different result. And yeah. this is where I keep banging my little head against the wall and be going, you know what? They keep doing the same thing over and over again, and guess what? The result is largely the same. And yes, but maybe um, maybe Eco Challenge coming back will shake things up a little bit and show that there is a different way forward. Um, so, yeah. I, I sus- you know, what's been going on around some of the other series and stuff, mentioning no names, is not been particularly inspiring and has been very conservative and maybe eco challenge coming back will go well actually we're not afraid to do something slightly unconventional and um we need to do something unconventional if we're going to pull in different viewers a new group of racers and you know maybe that will take the drag the sport kicking and screaming in a different direction i don't know um but i mean ultimately to me i kind of I've always struggled with the idea of, you know, whether the sport really is is more akin to mountaineering or is more akin to triathlon. And I think in the early days, from a philosophical point of view, I've always thought that in the early days of the sport, we were much more akin to mountaineering. You know, you come in, you had a personal goal, you either got to the summit, you didn't, and you kind of cared about who won, but you didn't really. It was really about, oh my God, I've got to save up $15,000 to get to the event and I've got to travel to the middle of nowhere. And there's probably not much chance of me finishing and the skills required are really high. And I don't have a lot of skills, but it was just epic. And as I say, it was more akin to sort of climbing Everest or climbing to, uh, that was like a personal goal. And then sort of circa 2000, 2001, you know, when there's sort of the networks sort of really started to sort of wane in their interest, we were left with a sort of decision, you know, well, if we're going to keep Discovery Channel and the likes of these people interested in what we're doing, you've got to offer something new. And it wasn't really a requirement of the teams it was a requirement of the networks to keep them interested. So two series suddenly popped up. We had X-Raid, you know, working towards the Ray Gouard, and then we had the Our World Series spring up. And as I say, that wasn't really consumer-driven. It was driven by the need to supply something to the networks. Well, a year later, the networks just buggered off anyway, and we were left with these series. And we then migrated over more towards the triathlon model. Let's go, well, let's make it a bit more formulaic. Let's give people a bit more consistency. Let's harmonize everything. And I think... To me, that's like all the really cool things that got me excited and a lot of other people excited about adventure racing in the first place were lost because you want to go to the middle of nowhere. You don't want particularly consistent rules all the time. You want to soak in different people's cultures. Um, you want to go and do something which is really unique and special. That's what an expedition racing is. And then we sort of drilled it down to a bit of a formula and said, well, it'll be three days there. It'll be a pretty kind of you know, consistent set of rules, consistent sort of disciplines, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, well, 
it's not exciting people anymore. They're going off and doing something else. So, yeah, we are where we are. But um, maybe Eco Challenge will, you know, maybe do something completely different. And, um, you know, and if they do really well, I think that's benefit for everybody because, you know, maybe they can bring media in from a different way that we we just simply can't. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm excited about it, but um, how I don't know how they're going to do this. If it's a real race, a real expedition, how do you do that without uh, social media getting everything out? Um, yeah. I, I yeah. Just, so, yeah, no, I agree. It was the same thing. It was different, wasn't it, back in the day? Cause yeah. You could pretty much make give everyone sign a confidentiality agreement and just say, well, don't talk too much about it. And then four yeah. months down the line, I'll have edited the video and out it goes. And it's, but I mean, I guess if anybody's going to work out how to do it, it'll be those guys because yeah. they could clearly work out. There could be a lot of teasing and a lot, you know, they'll stream out what information they want to. Yeah. Um, I guess the interesting thing for me is it's not so much whether they can do it or not because I'm sure Mark Burnett clearly has got. Yeah, you know, more experience than everybody put together. Um, it's why they're doing it, you know. It's as opposed to like whether they can do it. I'm sure they can. Yeah. Uh, it's you know why you know what, and that's the thing that we've all talked about here because there's people within our team like Ian and Adam who all raced at Eco Challenge. Mm-hmm. Nathan obviously won the last Eco Challenge. Yeah. Margot worked was working avidly in the Southern Traverse and Eco Challenge around that time. You know, prior to most people even even knowing what adventure racing was. And yeah. we've all discussed it here, um, and none of us really knows why. You know, why now? You know, and is this a just a personal, yeah. I just want to do something like this, or is it really something they've looked at the numbers and said, wow, we think this is financially viable? Because let's be honest, the first iteration or the first time around, you know, Mark obviously came up with a brilliant concept, run it for a few years, but the moment he realized he was onto it, onto something, he bolted as quick as possible because he realized it was much easier to make money somewhere else. Yeah. And Eco Challenge never really made loads of money. He just it was just the start of something else. Um and do they think now that they're gonna suddenly come in and create something that is going to be highly lucrative? Well, no one else has done that. So maybe. Yeah. Or maybe it's just Hey, I've got so much money, and my son thought it was pretty cool when he saw the video. And um, Bear Grylls wants to do it, so shit, why not? Well, it could be very easily be that uh, simple. And then, you know, it, let's face it, it is TV in Hollywood. We might never hear from it again. No, exactly. And I don't. I mean, I think what excites me about doing it, rather, you know, not from a, necessarily from an athletic or an athlete or participation point of view, is, is two things, really. Is one that I really like the idea of a race coming back, which mm-hmm. actually will have a proper entry fee in terms of showing to people that if you want to come and do something as special and as unique and with the amount of work that goes into something like this off, then the entry fee is going to be a lot you know, yeah. the last time they were racing, you know, these entry fees to get into Eco Challenge are like ten or $15,000 US. Yeah. And, you know, what it is at the moment, you look around most of the, you know, series races and you can go and race for a 1000 or $2,000 and everyone's like, oh, it's, it's so expensive. It's like, for what you're getting, it is nothing. 
Yeah. You know, it might open people. And all I think is when you just have these consistently low entry fees across the board, it just devalues everything. And it's just then people are looking around, shopping around on the basis of price rather than experience. And I think what Eco Challenge will probably do is reset the bar and say, actually, if you want to come and do something as amazing as this, as unique as this, with all the amazing things that go with it, the unique experiences, the amount of background work that goes in, it costs a lot of money. Yeah, and that's good for everybody because as I say, I always think they look around and look how many cheap and nasty expedition races there are. You know, it's like that's not what punters want. Well, I mean, I guess some of them do, but you know, I think we should be trying to value, drive the value of the brand up of expedition racing, not down. I think they'll do a great job of that. And I also think the other big positive is is that if they manage to hook in a Toyota or a Ford or whoever, Red Bull or whatever big name it is, yeah. is that. You know, maybe some of their part, you know, the other brands that are sort of in the same sort of space will start sniffing around and going, well, we're not going to get on the eco challenge thing, but I wonder if there's any other big races around that might be looking for sponsorship. And the reality is that most expedition races have been starved of commercial money for a long time. And maybe that will open up some opportunities you know, to do some better media. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious about it um, due to the fact that they were. You know, soliciting individual entries. You know, you you send them an email and says, "Yeah, I'm interested." And they say, "Well, we'll we'll send you the information entry later." And it's like, well, how do they do? I just, I, how do they get teams that way? So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess I mean they're gonna. Have, you mean they're not going to want a load of boring adventure racing teams turning up, are they? they yeah. You know, they're they're going to want some characters. They're going to, yes. if this is going to make TV, yeah. then, you know, they're not going to be satisfied with 50 teams turning up who go through the motions. And, you know, things are different now. I mean, a lot of the leading teams, you know, the teams that have been around a bit now would probably put their hands up, like, look at our team or Nathan's team. And yeah. we'd all go, well, collectively, we've done 120 expedition races yeah. or 100 expedition. And there'd be a lot of teams that have done, you know, as a group, over 40 when we think back to 95 and 96, how many teams do you think around the world would have been able to put their hand up and say, well, we've done 50 or 60 expedition races, be bugger all. Yeah. So most people now are in that group would be fairly well-oiled machines, and that just makes for boring viewing. So, you know, what they're going to say, that's maybe why they're throwing in the two male, two female thing, because it, it breaks up the, yeah. the usual format. Yeah, teams. Yep. And you're going to sort of try and think differently, and maybe you know, maybe this is what Mark will do really well: is throw things in there that which unsettle you know, the norms a little bit, so that you can put people in uncomfortable positions, and that's what drives emotion, and that's what makes good TV. Because if it's all about watching Chris and Nathan and those guys execute perfectly through a course, no one's going to watch that. Yeah, you know, it'd just be like great. So, yeah, you know, you know what. Um, <clears throat> My guess is, my hope, well, I don't know if I hope, but this might be fun, <clears throat> is they pick 100 people and they take them someplace and they pick pick teams, like in pick up baseball. Yeah. You, you, yeah. you are a team. Yeah, <laughs> there you know, would be I've, drama. I've, yeah, no, I funny. I, we were sitting in a meeting the other day talking, and I, and I threw that out there. I said, actually, it would be a really – fun way of doing something it would yeah. be going if you wanted to make it about viewing and you weren't really interested in maybe the, the integrity of the sport <laughs> you just pick 80 times four or 50 times four 200 yeah. people right we've decided you're going with them you're going with them you're going with them oh my god that'd be that'd be interesting there would be and good tv that's well that's what i mean it's like it's no one's going to care who wins that series all they're going to care about is the 
the reality of how you get on with someone you've only met maybe a day before. You know, that combination with a real race, I don't have a problem with that. No, not necessarily. I mean, you might do when you spend $15,000 in the entry fee and then you realize they put you with somebody who's never going to get to the finish. You might go, that's ridiculous. Yeah. But um, it could make for some comedy viewing. Um, And I guess that's the whole point about it. I mean, I hope they do some special stuff with this. I think it's a really positive development for the sport. I hope we just don't get a little bit too, I don't know, naff or, you know, Bear has got people, you know, deconstructing a possum halfway around the course, which you have to make, you know, a kite out of or something. You like, you know, there's a very real danger of us making this look a little bit crap. Um, But I think if they go somewhere super exotic and the tenets of adventure racing are still there, and they put a spin on that personal kind of conf- confrontation type. I think it'll it'll go well. And maybe, you know, reality TV is turned full circle and everybody realized that it's all so contrived that they actually need something real. And uh, maybe adventure racing is that opportunity, I guess. That's, um, that's a, an interesting insight. Yeah. Let's get let's put the real back in reality TV. Oh, well, I mean, it'd be, it'd be so easy to sort of say, like, you start it off. I mean, maybe you know, we all talk about fake news now, but you yeah. know, pretty much been able to say fake reality, you know, 15 years ago because it started with Eco Challenge and things kind of spiraled from there. But, you know, within five or six years, even Eco Challenge was falling into the old fake, you know, kind of this is really we're just contriving teams together here to make some kind of controversy. And obviously not the leaders, but that's what TV was and then you jump to Survivor and go from there and it's fake everything yeah. you know maybe we have to turn full cycle now because he doesn't want fake they're saying well give us something legit to watch and um, it doesn't even need to be that ridiculous I mean you look at Deadliest Catch and all these things it's not like they're doing anything particularly crazy it just feels that it's real sometimes but um, I'm sure if anybody's going to get it right they will be but I still only think it'd be 50-50 that it actually happens yeah, I, it, that's yeah. I, I don't think anybody should be booking any plane tickets yet. No. <laughs> yes. No. Well, let's see where the location is, and um, yeah. yeah, it'll be somewhere. Yeah, who knows? Yeah. So okay, here's here's the other news, and you may have a little more insight with this. Um, that uh, Primal Quest is doing a quote unquote feature film. Yes. So. I mean, you, you guys have a relation. What is your what? What's the God's Own Primal Quest relation? Um, we just really like those guys, and I don't yeah. mean to say that in a really mushy way, but yeah. you know, David, and Maria, and Paul, and stuff are nice people, yep. and you know, just from a philosophical point of view, we really sort of liked where they sort of come from, and sort of. Got it. We got into God's zone, and then we sort of went down a certain route, and then we sort of scratched our heads and went, "This is not what we want to be doing." You know, adventure racing isn't about little boxy formulas. This is about offering people something unique, and we like what they were doing. And but we realised that it's it is incredibly difficult to get an expedition race off the ground these days. Mm-hmm. Um, and your market does not seem very easy. I mean, in, over here in New Zealand, we have one major problem that we're a bloody long way from anywhere else, and we only yeah. got you know, 4.7 million people living in the country. So we're not over-endorned with competitors and resources in some ways, but 
we do have a massive adventure race base here, which is great for us. But over in America, and we effectively run a monopoly here, which is great for us, but, you know, it comes with its own problems. But over there, you seem to have so many different vested interests, and everybody's pulling east, west, north, south, central, and everybody seems to think they're running the show. And it doesn't seem to make it very easy for anybody. And the moment you, you come up with something like PQ, you can guarantee there'll be three other people with vested interests trying to talk it down. Yeah. And it just seems like a horrible bloody situation. So we're like, oh, that's nuts. You should, you know, you guys over in the States should be bloody proud or be champion at the bit. You've got a race of that quality with that ambition, you know, come in and try and do something. Um, and it needs all the support we get. And so what we've just said from the get-go, we'll do everything we can to help. And that means helping them build the website, you know, doing that for them. And we're going to provide them with a lot of content um, in terms of just, you know, the way we do our maps, the planners, you know, route books, yeah. live coverage platform. We'll give them all our trackers for, you know, you know, no benefit to us other than the fact that we just want to see a really good adventure race in America. I mean, America's the largest sporting market in the world. If adventure racing is going well there, it should go ev- well everywhere else. And Americans will come and visit New Zealand. And um, the more adventure races that are you know going on well over there, the better for us. So, um, yeah. and particularly because I think you know, on a relative scale, Americans have got far more disposable income than, than Kiwis have. And we will eventually do well out of that selfishly because more Americans are likely to come and race in New Zealand than Kiwis are likely to go over to America. True. So, yeah. I mean, I'm not doing it because we're totally philanthropic, but we're doing it because we like what they do. They're great people and we want to see it thrive. And um, they always see very little point in them having to do all these things and duplicate things that we're doing already. So it's a kind of partnership and, yeah. And they seem to be doing well. And it's great that Tim and Ian are sort of getting involved to do something there. Yeah, I'm interested to see what uh, what they come up with of that, if, if, what, what their uh, distribution will be for – it's just kind of a funny uh, term, feature film. So, but, yeah. yeah well, but, I guess but why not? You know, let's, why not try something different again, right? Yeah, I mean, I guess often, you know, there's, filming isn't easy. I mean, I guess there's multi parts. You've got to film it and get a good, get a good film done. And then you've got to edit it. And then you've got to, you know, then you've yeah. got to actually make sure they get shown somewhere. Yeah. All those parts fall into place. And you know, yeah. people come to God's own, they film it. You can do a great job. And then you've got to work out where you're going to get it and how many eyeballs can you get on it. And hopefully they've been thinking hard about that. And again, it comes back to that eco challenge thing. That's where they seem to have those bases covered off at least is that you can pretty much guarantee that they'll film something good and they know they've got guaranteed distribution and well that's you know two or three of the major things sorted out already um i guess it's been interesting the whole obstacle course racing thing has maybe made few people go what on earth has that got to do with adventure racing but you know again maybe it's just thinking outside the box but and trying to get um you know yeah trying to get a race to different areas so well, yeah, you got to get them, bring, build the market someplace. I just realized that um, I did the last feature film on Primal Quest. How about that? You didn't know that, yeah, did that, you? No, I didn't. <laughs> I'm guessing that was Badlands or something, was it? Yep, that was uh, that was me and me. <laughs> yeah, and it's available on Vimeo. You don't need any more than that, Randy. To be honest, that is it. Well, it kind of is. I, so, I got 
I have a wild bird, in case you're wondering. <laughs> and then, and then the dog came in, and so she had to assert her dominance. So, um, <laughs> yeah, my interesting life. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, hey, look at me. I'm like the, I'm like the big boys, Jimmy. Well, wow. <laughs> um, so what are you? Do you are you going to get to race anymore? <laughs> Good question. Um, do you want to race some more? Um, yeah, jury's out on that a little bit at the moment. I'm not entirely feeling the need. Um, okay. I know there's a God's Own team obviously going to Primal Quest, yeah. um, which I could have been part of, but actually. August, September is a terrible time for me personally to race um, just because the build-up on yeah. the prior three or four months is pretty much smack bang through the middle of winter. I live in Queenstown. There's snow everywhere, and my kids want to ski and board every weekend. Yeah. And it would mean I've been selfish enough for the last 20 years. It would mean me being extra specially selfish through what is actually a really nice time of year for us because my work slows down a little bit for God's own. and. You know what I mean? Instead of me sitting there on a Saturday or Sunday morning going, right, hey, it's time to go out with the kids and go boarding for the day or go skiing, I'm actually sitting there going, well, I'm actually going to go for an eight-hour bike ride in the cold. Just couldn't be bothered. You know, And I would have done that 10 years ago, but not yeah. now. Um, and actually November, December, you know, is a much better time because, you know, a few buds on the trees, spring temperatures sort of quickly rises and... You know, by August, September, October, I'm starting ready to sort of get into it again. So it's just yeah. a timing thing. So maybe eco challenge maybe because the time yeah may well the timing's a lot better but um yeah. yeah you know what i mean it's just everything must come to an end at some point no one's yeah. gonna no one's gonna miss me not racing you know what i mean <laughs> so just um i've just got to do it when it's right from a and i'm certainly not i'm not going to do a nathan and announce my retirement in the, yeah. um, <laughs> on a yearly basis but um i shall um yeah, I'll just wait until something really piques my interest and with the right people. And yeah, um, yeah I think the vibe and the location are much more important to me than actually any of the racing. Yeah, well, it, it's it's funny. I, this this may not ever happen, but you know, when I quit racing, I don't know, ten years ago, whatever. I I, I thought you know eventually there'll be something that hey, something that wants you know piques my interest, and every once in a while there's something that's like. Ah, and then I'm like, no, I'm having fun doing what I'm doing. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. It's not? not like I'm doing nothing. It's just um, just different things. So, um, yeah, yeah. So, um, I don't know. I don't know if I have anything else to ask you. I should. It's been a year since we talked, but <laughs> so, um, what's the, what's your quick? I don't care if it's quick. What's your what's your pitch? Why some American team should uh, try to get into get into God's own eight? Uh, well, I guess first and foremost, it's probably our easiest location to actually get to um, because you can get an international or you know an easy domestic flight from Auckland to Christchurch, and then Race HQ is like fifty minutes down the road, and we'll pick you up from the airport and bring you over. So that's super easy. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I guess it's, if you're kind of into the glacier, big mountain, big river, kind of big environments, you know, maybe a bit more akin to America, then um, it's definitely the location. Um, 
that would sort of fit that bill. Um, it isn't going to be, you know, the, the Fjordland kind of Patagonia thing where you 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 know you're wading through the mud and the bush and stuff. And a lot of people were obviously super turned on by that idea yeah. uh, in Fjordland, but no, it'd be quite a different feel. Um, yeah. And say so you just it's very easy to get to, and um, you know, they'll be, it's every year we're making you know big improvements to the event. I mean, I know. You know, we set the bar sort of reasonably high for ourselves, and but we're always looking to improve. And you know, most people come away from the event having had an amazing experience and have just sort of gone, "Wow, you know, great terrain, great race, runs really smoothly." And um, yeah, it actually happens, unlike China. So, you know, <laughs> what's not to like? Yeah, I agree. Um, uh, I don't know if you can answer this, or if you can or can or not. But um, do you? Hold some places for um, international teams. Um, do we hold some? Well, I mean, if they ask nicely. <laughs> well, I mean, there's always there's always special people who will yeah. always try and work hard and um, to try and fit them in because there's a particular narrative. Obviously, we knew with the South Africa team with Merrill and Stefan to Blanche last year, and you know, we obviously wanted to go well. We're going to make exceptions. We're going to get a Springbok, you know, rugby player in because yeah. we've obviously got Gina Cora, who's an All Black, and that makes a lot of sense. Um, um, but you know, it, it's it's yeah. difficult, isn't it? Because yeah. some of our Kiwi, you know, competitors have you know come to three, four, five chapters now. They've been so good at supporting the sport here yeah. that it'd be pretty hard to go back to them and say, oh, by the way there's an Argentinian team or a, a team coming over from that we, we can't let you in because we'd love that they came over because it gives the, the event a really nice international flavour because mm. um, they get probably pretty upset and again that's a little bit sort of ties in with the whole my thinking a little bit with the way that you know when you run a World Series event for example you run a World Championships in America and you you know I don't know Cowboy Tough might have had X number of people support them over the years and then you suddenly get the rights to host the World Championships, and then you've got to say, well, actually, sorry, I know you've come to three of our events, but you're actually now at the bottom of the pile because we can yeah. get 10 entries to the qualifiers, and then we're going to bring all the top-ranked teams in the world into the race, and they're first in the queue, and then we'll give out some wildcard slots for you guys who've supported us and made this event viable over the last three years. That, to me, seems a little bit perverse. It's not how you treat your best customers, is it? Um, so, um, yeah. Um, but you know, we will always. We will love having internationals come over. They're just, you know, they're, you know, they're fun to be around. They bring a certain vibe to the event, and I think the Kiwis love having internationals here uh, because we are so remote from so many of the parts of the world that you know, I think there's a special place in the heart for Kiwis. I mean, if someone's made the effort to come over here, um, you know, it feels kind of nice. So, yeah. I mean, what would be great actually would be getting an international team to come over here and really get stuck into the Kiwi teams and you know from a you know performance point of view but it's bloody hard. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think the 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 answer to the question is is if you're an American team, uh get a hold of Brett Favre and get him on your team and Warren will let you in. Yeah, that would be good. Or Tom Blake. Anybody. Yeah. <laughs> Tiger Woods. Been down that route. I think we talked about Tiger Woods briefly when he was going through his misdemeanors. Yeah, he was good PR for the event. But um, yeah, no, as we say, we're, we're everybody's welcome and stuff. It's the usual thing on Sunday morning. Entries will open, and um, you know, 
yeah. we'll close it early and then we'll um you know if there's you know i think what we're more likely to do and this is what happened last time was that we we shut up entries and then we looked at what happened because obviously people working on different time zones over the next few days a number of international teams came in and then we just prioritized those guys with any extra entry slots that we uh, that we opened up yeah. and so i'm sure we'll do the same again so so well good i mean you know you you've you've had eight well seven editions to get that figured out equitably and i i sounds like you have so yeah well Good. as long as people yeah as long as people keep racing and um you know keep enjoying adventure sport i mean who knows what the next seven or eight years will hold for us all maybe um you know maybe eco challenge and other things will will happen that you know we all have to rethink about what we're doing here um who knows um yeah so well, cool. Well, I've enjoyed our state of the, our yearly state of adventure racing chat. So, yeah, it's always good to catch up. It is. So, all yes. right, we're still well, doing it. Yep. You get, what you got for the rest of the day? You gotta um, working or having fun? No, I'm actually. I've been working all morning from early, and believe it or not, the kids are out tonight doing sports. I'm actually going to go for a ski tour. Cool. So I go to put some skins on the skis, walk up the hill a couple of times, do some exercise before dark, and then I'll come back down and feed the kids. So, All right. Um, yeah, try and do some exercise. I suppose, well, it's gotten really nice here. We've had really crappy weather for about a week, rain, so maybe I should take my dog out for a hike. Yeah, so take, the bird out. <laughs> take the bird out for a fly. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thanks for the chat. Hey, thanks, Randy. All right, bye. See you soon. See ya.